My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm -hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so alone. I forgot. Good morning, Patriots. And it's Thursday, January 18th in the year 2024. You know, right now, one of the biggest challenges we face in our nation is moral character and moral courage. And it's just one of these very telling moments in our nation's history where we're defining people by where they take a position and stand outside of the constraints and the worries and the obligations or, or pressures of a job, of a pension, of a salary. And sadly, our nation is literally being defined by where people attach their moral character. And whether it's attached to the material things of this world and the center of gravity around a me 
or whether they understand the importance of this hour to give themselves to something greater and serve their nation in a greater way. The unfortunate part of where we are in a nation is that over the last, I would say, 60 years, there's been an increasing direction in people looking at service to a nation as outsourced by a handful. And those handful, those few, have been part of what we now call a volunteer force. That changed, obviously, in the 60s and prior was a draft. And then we moved into the volunteer army, volunteer military. And the sad part about that is that even in the draft, it wasn't quite right because it was a randomness of who would have to serve. And then if you were in the right class of influence or money, you found ways to circumvent your need and obligation to serve a nation. We've lost that perspective that we all are part of something greater. And there's a common route always, and we can always take that common route down to the pulpit. We can take the common route down to our faith. We can take our common route down to the various aspects of our life that have been shredded. I think the bigger question is, why have we been so willing to give it all away? And how have we moved as a nation from a place where our founding fathers pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to create a nation? And then we come to a place now where people are scrambling and saying, what can we do? And the, the knee-jerk response is always to look for somebody in politics in the most corrupted body of people ever lifted up in the history of man. I think they're worse than anything Rome ever manufactured. And we're looking at this saying, fix it for us. Because I want to have what I want. And I want to do what I want to do, but I don't want to give for myself to do it. I've been, in the position I sit, I've been privileged to a lot of dreams lately. People sharing dreams is what I mean by that. And I'm going to say it this way. Dreams are something that you always take with a measure of caution when we interpret them. But when you start to see a consistent pattern in dreams from different people, all of whom walk in their love in Jesus, you start to see a, cl a glimpse into the prophetic. And the glimpse into the prophetic is showing something rather stark and yet rather dramatic. And I would say at the other end of that dream is the hopefulness. What we're starting to see is the these dreams are telling a story of a few that have to endure the ravaging of the world around them. That in these dreams, each one of these dreams ends up in a similar place, not in physical place, but in a situation where everything that they own is being stripped from them. In one dream, it's literally holding bags, bags of things that they, they're trying to cling on to and having to make the choice of letting that go and ultimately stepping into this other world. In another dream, it's standing in a ravaged area, burned in cinders with their clothes shredded, and that's all they have left, but having that pursuit in their heart of seeking Jesus and finding that oasis on the other side. And these dreams are happening over and over. In other dreams, it's it's literally coming to a place where finally there's a breaking a breakwater and people are literally in mass coming to huge stadiums to seek those who have endured to be healed and to be delivered because they've finally woken up while the others are waiting there for them. 
These dreams are telling us a story. And I say this because I've heard enough of them now to say God is speaking and we need to be listening. And what he's speaking to, as I would frame it, and I, would, I won't say these are God's words, but what hits me is and when I read these and hear these dreams and I read scripture, what I'm hearing are some things that I think are very important for us to grasp right now. The center of this is moral courage. It's having that faith to stand on that rock and know that no matter how hard this storm hits, he's got you. He has us, and we have to endure that hour. And that hour doesn't mean that it will be easy. Just because we wear the armor and no weapon forged against us can succeed does not mean you will not get hit, does not mean you will not even be injured, because there's that possibility. But God has you and can us, us together collectively. And with that is this is our reminder of iron sharpens iron because the community in the body of Christ needs to be lifting each other up as we reach outward to raise others up. But let's make no mistake, there has been a very intense attack placed upon humanity. And as people are now racing to God to say, help me, there's another side of us that have been saying, over, standing over here saying, we've been here all along, come to us and we'll help you. But unfortunately, the only way you can bring people to an awakening sometimes is to have them endure the pain of the decisions that they make. I don't wish that upon anybody. But we're arriving at a point where I believe that that, that tab, so to speak, that bill is coming due. Because we can't continue to live in a world where we consume everything for ourselves and center around ourselves and expect to have no consequence. I personally believe that there's quite a shaking in the storm coming. I don't believe anywhere in the Bible that it even gives reference to or credence to the idea that somehow this is going to blow over and everything's going to magically be okay. I think we're going to, as the believers and the followers of Jesus, we're going to have to be stronger in our faith than we ever thought possible. And I think we will, without question in my heart we will, because we've already found that place to stand through a very difficult time as preparation for what is to come. I'm not speaking of end times prophecies or the, the loss of everything, and yet there has to be a great shaking. There has to be. And I go back to the scripture that we've talked of so much here, which is Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Where the good way is, then walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. It's a profound split in those moments. It's the scripture that refers to the wide gate and the narrow gate. For the narrow gate is by few and the wide gate is for the many. And we really have to start looking at these moments in time in a scriptural lens and a biblical lens to see that we're, we're coming through cycles again in the human nature where decisions have to be made and separations are being made. But that doesn't mean we ever give up on other people to bring them over. But we also have to come to the realization that this is a war. And this is a war that's being waged in the spirit first and foremost. And we are those that are chosen, selected, accidentally fall in, fell into this place. I don't care how you frame it. Because I think sometimes when we say you're chosen, there's like this, oh, you're part of this elite. Well, actually, the answer is yes, you are. And so are we all. Because we're here. And it's not because you're under Bard's nation. It's not because you're under... Resistance Nation or Navajo Nation or Glad Tidings Nation or, or the, the Apostolic Churches of the Black Coalition. 
it's because your heart is drawn you to a place to seek the word and the and the glory of what Jesus was telling us. And you're willing to step outside the dead stone walls. You're willing to step away from the pulpit. You're willing to step away from the pew. And you're willing to pick up the Bible and read the scriptures and let the Bible speak to you. That's profound. And you're willing to reach bigger and farther. You're willing to say, yes, I want to see the the book of Acts. Yes, I want to see the unified church of God. Yes, I want to see the one body of Christ work as one, not as quens and little corners of places where they're fighting each other, saying, I have a better way in reading the scripture than you. But rather, we're looking across the spectrum of the body of Christ saying, they they have something to contribute and they have something to contribute, but we're all walking in that same direction, arm in arm. And with that moment, there's a humbleness that settles upon the hearts. And that humbleness strikes us in a deep way because we have to step away from what we expect and what we anticipate to be those of great courage. It's a person I want to reference today. I'm hoping to get him on the show. We'll see if he can, but I, nonetheless, I have his testimony, and it's amazing. And this is a person, his first lieutenant, and I, I may not get his name correctly spelled, spoken, but I'll do my best. First lieutenant, Schuler Skipper. And he's a U.S. Marine Corps active duty Marine. Again, a first lieutenant. This soldier has more courage than some of our best frontline operators. This soldier has thrown it all on the line for his beliefs and his pursuit in understanding what the Constitution stands for and most importantly, where he stands in faith. He's been persecuted because he did not take the vax and he stood on his grounds. This guy, this, this first lieutenant's not a force recon guy from the Marines. He's not a MARSOC guy, which is Marine Special Operations guy. He's not a high-altitude halo insert specialist. He's not part of some sort of rapid response team like the Raiders. He's in supply. The place where no one looks, the background of what makes everything work, quietly doing his work to support the frontline soldiers, not ever getting a hero's medal, not ever getting tagged as somebody who is going to be the great memory of, the, of what war looks like, and yet he deserves all of that because he took a stand where no one else did. This is truly an important point. He is, in a sense, nothing special, and yet he is as special as we could possibly ask for in this hour. Every one of us in this fight has to embrace that first lieutenant because his voice is bigger then all the years these guys have spent that have said nothing doing that fight. And because of that, no matter where they stand, no matter what hat they wear, it doesn't mean anything right now unless they're willing to stand for the Constitution and to stand up in this hour. There's 231 names that signed onto a petition known as the Declaration of Military Accountability, DMA. And there's over 20,000 names of U.S. citizens who have joined that petition online. Every person that's willing to put their name out there has the courage in this hour that we need because it's what's going to define our nation going forward. And so to focus on the 231, 
And the reason I'm focusing on the 231 is it's not all the people you think they would be. I think it's easy to imagine that the 231 would be special forces, Navy SEALs, Delta operators, Air Force special operations guys, Marine MARSOC, Raiders, and, and the Marine Force recon guys. They're supposed to be they're supposed to be the point of the spear. They're supposed to be leading the charge for our nation in a critical hour. They're supposed to be out there in front. And I'm not taking away from anything that they do or did. But in this critical hour, the courageous 231 that has allowed the voices of over 20,000 Americans to assemble around them to start building truly an army. There are people like First Lieutenant Skipper, who is not notable in the world of fantastic and wild dreams of point of the spear fights, and yet he's at the point of the spear. Because quite literally, he's nothing special. He's humble before God. That's how he's special. And that's how we're all special when we step into this. He's not seeking notoriety, but his name's on that 231, by the way. In this hour, we need everybody that has the courage and the moral character to stand up and do the right thing. We're long past the point of being able to hear the excuses of I'm obeying orders. I'm doing what I was told. I have to protect my pension. I have to worry about my family. Because we're coming to a point where, as Pete Chambers said last night in the show, Lady Liberty is on the edge of being destroyed. And the vision of liberty and the pursuit of our founding fathers is at a tipping point. And I will guarantee you, there are people here in this nation, and I count the 231 and the people that signed on that petition as part of that, that will stand to the final, time, final hour, no matter what it, the cost, because we believe full-heartedly in our faith first, in our loving God, and then our loving country and family. And it's that commitment, that courage that becomes the courage of Gideon. It's the courage in that hour that leads a nation when the nation doesn't know how to lead itself. It's more concerned about trying to maintain status quo than understanding that at this critical time, everything is starting to fall apart. And so it's a critical moment right now for us to embrace truly the walk that we're all being called to do. I want to read this morning Proverbs 6. And I find it to be a lot in the core of what we are. And it's literally at the, co the core of Proverbs 6 are these words, love what God loves, hate what God hates. My son, if you have become surety, guaranteed a debt or obligation for your neighbor, if you have given your pledge for the debt of a stranger or another outside your family, if you have been snared with the words of your lips, if you have been trapped by the speech of your mouth, do this now, my son, and release yourself from that obligation. Since you have come into the hand of your neighbor, go humble yourself and plead with your neighbor to pay his debt and release you. Give no unnecessarily sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Tear yourself away like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, O lazy one, observe her ways and be wise which, having no chief, overseer, or ruler, she prepares her food in the summer and brings her provisions of food for the winter in the harvest. 
How long will you lie down, O lazy one? When will you arise from your sleep and learn self-discipline? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to lie down and rest. So your proverbs will come like an approaching prowler who walks slowly but surely, and your need will come like an armed man making him making you helpless. A worthless person, a wicked man, is one who walks with a perverse, corrupt, vulgar mouth, who winks with his eyes in mockery, who shuffles his feet to signal, who points with his fingers to give subversive and instru instruction, who perver perversely in his heart plots trouble and evil continually, who spreads discord and strife. Therefore, the crushing weight of his disaster will come suddenly upon him. Instantly, he will be broken, and there will be no healing or remedy because he has no heart of God. I'll continue in a moment. This is dealing with moral courage. And we're seeing that as Pete Chambers sent yesterday, a very powerful word, which I want to repeat here today, which I think is very apropos to everything we're looking at. And it's the warning for the warriors. And it's this. Remember that one time when the cowards rode in, when threat and danger had been abated and then tried to pretend like they missed it or rather, rather than a, that the fact is that they avoided it? These cowards are not neutral. They will murder their own flesh and blood to get what they want, and yours as well, if you don't stop them in their tracks. False religion and the religious power brokers will try to glom on to you now. This is not Jesus. Jesus is the full, fullness of love and courage. But religion is dead and is a coward that will attempt to murder anything and anyone it can't control. Watch yourself now. Watch your brothers and your sisters, all other evil in child's play compared to the evil that murdered Christ. The Pharisees, false pastors of his day, put him on the cross. Hear, perceive, and understand. This is the warning for the warriors. This is a very critical time where you are literally seeing the discernment and of people and the threshing that God's putting upon the earth. And there can be no question when we enter through this period and go and make it through this period where people stand. You can't walk in the middle. A country needs moral character. And when moral character for the most part is lost, a country needs people can, can stand in that hour, can stand on the gap, build that wall. This is Nehemiah. And to be able to build the wall with one hand and carry the sword in the other to show those and lead those what courage is really like. These are individual questions that have to be answered. No one can put that upon anybody and force it. They have to make a decision in this hour where they stand. And moral character is at the core of the future of this nation. There's something very special to me that I want to share with you today. And this is the Special Forces Creed. And I'm going to read it as it is written, but I want you to insert where it says Special Forces. I want you to put the words remnant in your head. And if you align yourself with the remnant, I want you to take this in deep to what it says. I am an American Special Forces soldier. I will do all that my nation requires of me. I am a volunteer, knowing well the hazards of my profession. I serve with the memory of those who have gone before me. 
I pledge to uphold the honor and integrity of their legacy in all that I am, in all that I do. I am a warrior. I will teach and fight whenever and wherever my nation requires. I will strive always to excel in every art and artifice of war. I know that I will be called upon to perform tasks in isolation, far from familiar faces and voices. With the help and guidance of my faith, I will conquer my fears and succeed. I will keep my mind and body clean, alert and strong. I will maintain my arms and equipment in an immaculate state, befitting a special forces soldier, for this is my debt to those who depend upon me. I will not fall, I will not fail those with whom I serve. I will not bring shame upon myself or special forces. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I will never surrender, though I am the last. If I am taken, I pray that I have the strength to defy my enemy. I am a member of my nation's chosen soldiery. I serve quietly, not seeking recognition or accolades. My goal is to succeed in my mission and live to succeed again. Depresso libre. Free the oppressed. If ever there is a framing to speak to God's mighty warriors in this hour, the sons and daughters of the Most High, that which the earth is shaking and waiting for the awakening of the sons of God, that's the framework right there. We have to serve in such a way of humility and, and glory to God. We are not seeking glorification in what we do. We have to have the martyrdom spirit to lay down our lives for another. And there is no greater gift than that. We have to love thy neighbor and understand that our mission is to, to rescue those that are oppressed. And we also understand very clearly there is such a thing as pure evil. If we want to look to that statement, which is profound to me, it's always something never to forget. It was Patton's words to his soldiers. No bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. When we apply that to evil, we start to understand that the pure heart of evil is something God hates. We have a mission to seek the glory of kingdom on this earth. We have a mission to literally rescue those that are caught in the darkness. We have a mission to separate the sin from the sinner and to love that which God has before us. Hate the sin. Hate the sin. And learn to love the sinner. We have to separate the demonic that influences them and, and guides them. We have to heal the wounds that are put upon them that have led them astray. But at the end of the day, there is such a thing as pure evil. And when you face it, you have to destroy it. And you use the tools in which God gave us to cast it into the lake of fire and let it burn in infinity, in, into eternity. There is a ruthlessness that has to happen in our art of war because it's the part of love. Love doesn't accept everything it, it understands that there's lines of what is true and what is false. Love is also often brutal because true love speaks truth into the hearts, even though it may not feel good when you receive. The sad part about so much of the pulpit in this day is it's turned everything around to be this open-armed hug that we'll accept anything. And as I've spoken of so much this last week, it is literally this DEI religion of diversity, equity, and inclusion that is now 
and corrupted and entered into the pulpit to try to suggest that we all need to come together and join each other in some glorful, mighty way. They will forgive everything and we can all be ourselves the way we want to be and that there's no accountability for how we walk. That is not scriptural. There is an accountability for how we walk in this world. There is a right and there is a wrong. And when we start to understand that line and understand what is being asked of us, when we get back to that place of understanding the things of love what God loves, hate what God hates. Continuing with Proverbs 6. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are repulsive to him. A proud look the attitudes that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that creates wicked plans, feet that run swiftly to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, even half-truths, and one who spreads discord, rumors among brothers. My son, be guided by your father's given God-given commandment, instruction, and do not reject the teachings of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, in your thoughts, and tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they, the godly teachings of your parents, will guide you. When you sleep, they will keep watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teachings of the law is light. And reproofs rebuked, the discipline are the way of life. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattery of the smooth tongue of an immoral woman. Do not desire lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelashes. For on account of a prostitute, one is reduced to a piece of bread to be eaten up, and the immoral woman hunts with a hook the precious life of a man. Can a man take fire in his chest and his, and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into the neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not be found innocent or go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry. But when he is found, he must repay seven times what is stole. He must give all the property of this house if necessary to meet his fine. But whomever commits adultery with a woman and lacks common sense and sound judgment and an understanding of moral principles. He who would destroy his soul does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages the wronged husband, and he will not spare the guilty one on the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom offered, by the, offered to buy off buy him off from demanding full punishment, nor will he be satisfied though you offer him many gifts and bribes. This isn't about a woman in adultery. Sure, on the surface it is, but in the deeper part of this, we're talking about moral courage. We're talking about people who have chosen to sleep with the enemy, people who have chosen to go into the enemy and be in their camp, to give away all that is sacred, and in this critical hour, to literally turn their back on all that we stand for. This is a reminder that there is a cost to pay when you, cho when you choose to be the adulterer or the adulteress. And in this critical hour, this is heavy on the hearts of many and should be because the choices that they're making for money is to prostitute themselves to something that has no meaning in heaven. 
Right now, we have to come as a nation to start looking at ourselves very deeply in the mirror. We have to start asking those moral questions of who am I? And when people look at that, they have to ask themselves, am I walking a path of moral righteousness? Am I walking a path of moral strength and character? Or have I decided to sleep with the neighbor? Have I decided to be to sleep with the prostitute? And in so doing, have I given up everything simply for my own fleshly satisfaction? Hard words, but words that have to be said in this hour because we are not in a fight that is going to be won by those that sell their souls to the enemy's camp. It will be won by the righteous few that stand in this hour and stand with God to stand boldly on faith and weather this storm because our feet are so solidly planted there that all we seek is to serve him in a greater way. Our hearts have to be so committed to God that we are willing and regularly do submit ourselves to repentance and to be put through the fires and, and refinement essentially Meshach and Bendigo, to be able to burn through that and know that God is literally working through us to burn away all that is not him, to refine us as the silversmith must to make us greater in him and in this world. But that takes a commitment, a, a tremendous courage to do that. And that means walking against the tide of things, to push against the flow of the current and to stand out sometimes when you don't want to. First Lieutenant Skipper, he's an example of somebody who's not seeking glory or fame. He's just doing the right thing because his faith calls him to do it. And he's against a beast of a system. And every person now who's taking that stand, who's leaning in, who is saying, this is the hour which my voice will count. That's the courage it takes to put yourself on that rock of faith and say, God, I am here. Send me at whatever cost. That's literally walking the path of Christ. And it's what is required now if you're going to step into the glory of kingdom as we go forward. Those dreams that I keep telling you about, I don't know exactly what they mean in terms of the outcome or where that fits in scripturally. I'm honest. Because there's a lot of things about it that we could interpret and it, and it can get us into some very deep rabbit holes that may or may not be scripturally correct. But what I do know is there's a message that's coming through that's calling those in the heart that can listen, that's telling us all that there is going to be a great shaking. I think we can all feel that. There is going to be an accountability. We can't deny that. Because at the end, all of us have to face accountability for every word, thought, action, breath we take. But in this time right now, those dreams are pointing to something, something big that's on the horizon. And we've already seen the pieces put, on, put in play. We can't deny the number of people that have taken the injection. We can't deny the number of people that are morally walking away from the strength of what this nation needs and instead playing along the lines of the enemy and doing so and complicit in those satanic format in which they're operating. Do as thou will without any accountability to this life and no accountability to God. Right now, more than ever, a remnant's job is to stand on the moral grounds, to reach in, to to give that gospel of Jesus Christ to lift people up and to rescue as many as we can. Our mission is truly rescue, heal, and restore. And even though the odds seem impossible, the mountains seem unsurmountable, we know who we, what we stand with. We stand with God. 
the maker and creator of all things, the God of miracles, the Lord of hosts. And it's that strength that we do in a mighty time in a way that we're able to overcome. I spoke of the story yesterday and I want to recount it because it's important. And I just, to the strength of faith that happens in a soldier's heart. Person in the 231 group, Sam, who's had a pretty rough role in getting to this point. He had been an inside whistleblower. He had been giving us inside track of some of the things that were going on in the military, the egregious violations of the law and of the oath that commanders had taken. And he was doing so under a pseudonym for some time until he was discovered. And then they forced him out. And the stress which it put upon him was significant, he and his family. And his son became very sick. He was in the ICU. He had asthma. He was having a hard time breathing. And it was looking to be a future of taking these injectable or, or aerosolized steroids, which is destructive as can be on a body. I hadn't met Sam yet. And I'd heard about Sam through Pete Chambers. So I reached out to Sam just by text and I asked him, can we pray for you? And Sam said, yes. So we did. And our prayer team prayed for him. And our prayer team came back with this message. He said, Sam needs to pray life over his son. And he needs to rebuke the spirit of suffocation. And so yesterday or day, day before yesterday in a call that I had with Sam, at the end of the call, he says, well, I've got you on the phone. I have something to share with you. He said, you told me to pray life over my son and to rebuke the spirit of suffocation. So I did that. My wife and I did that. I prayed over my son. I prayed life over my son, and I rebuked the spirit of suffocation. He said, Scott, my son is healed. Now if he gets sick, he gets sick like any other boy. He doesn't end up in ICU. He's been healed. We have witnessed scriptures, Matthew 8, 5 to 13, literally. And I want to read it to you. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have, have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. The faith that we need is a faith of unwavering 
an undying love for God in a commitment so deep that we never doubt anything he does. And in this hour, when we are looking for moral courage, that example of what we've witnessed from a man who just simply trusted in a prayer team healed his son. That's the power and glory which God places in us and, and works through us. So in this time, when it seems at moments when everything may be falling apart, if we anchor ourselves truly on the moral character of what God's demanding of us, true faith in him, undenying, unquestioning faith in him, a place where we don't ask if God, we say, yes, God, and we walk in the yes. And when we walk in the yes of the yes, God, we are obedient to everything that he is and everything around us simply collapses and falls away because the only thing that counts in that hour is our obedience to him in our walk. And no matter what we're faced with, no matter what the enemy throws at us, no matter how big that mountain is before us, it cannot stand when we are in alignment with God in the yes. It cannot. The greatest mountains before us will collapse. The greatest army around us will bow and weep before the feet of Jesus. The greatest, most stressing moments of our lives will be turned into something amazing because God will use that no matter where we are to amplify his actions, his kingdom, his love for his children. We're his vessel. And that's ultimately the reward when we let everything go and we stand into this critical hour and say, God, here I am, send me. We have to rescue as many people as possible. That is the mission. That's a directive that we understand in our hearts because this is the hour in which we are doing this. We have to get ourselves anchored in the tools of war. We have to, the artifacts, artifacts of war, the artifices of war, we have to become masters of. And that's anchored in the word and the scripture so that we wield that sort of steel and the sword of the spirit with, with the glory of heaven. And we have to understand the love that God pours into this world, that love is centered on these words, these concepts, love what God loves, hate what God hates, and live that way. Understand what that walk is. Seek that guidance from him. And do not waver. And hold that line no matter how difficult. And understand that our time here is very temporal, but it's essential that we're here and what we're doing. Understand that everything we do begins in the spirit and manifests in the flesh. And as we walk that way, we then become not of this world. And our voices carry great might and power because everything we say has the power of life and death. Be intentional, be focused, but always come from the place of love. And even when things seem intense and there's frustrating and the politics are slinging and the mud and the media is flying and you have all this craziness around you, just pray and find the center in Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you through. When we walk like this, everyone begins to embrace what the special forces creed is. Be a quiet professional. We're not looking to draw notoriety to us. We're literally looking to do one thing. And that one thing is in these words, depresso libre to free the oppressed. Because as we free ourselves and keep ourselves free, we then seek to help others become free. And in this hour, there can be no greater mission. That's the rescue. And so this word goes not only to those that are walking there, but to those that are choosing to walk away. You need to assess where we are. 
if we're walking in this place with Christ, then we need to seek to go deeper within that walk. If you're walking in the obedience of a state that's telling you to do things and you're willfully participating in the enemy's camp, read Proverbs 6 and reflect very deeply on what it is to sleep with your enemy or to sleep with your neighbor and to understand the consequences of what you're choosing. This is a very dark time for some because they're choosing a path that they think is right because it's this path centered on them and self and the detachment from the relationship with God. There's no faith and trust that God will provide. Rather, it's the concern of what the bank account says and what that pension number says and what you need to worry about your mortgage next month. None of this is going to matter where we're going. Because the great shaking, regardless, if you just listen to the words of the World Economic Forum and the words coming out of Davos or what this government is trying to institute without our authority, everything is about taking everything away and putting you under their thumb. And so it's quite simple. We just have to choose whom we serve. I know whom I serve, and it will never change. And no matter what the cost in this material world, I've already made my choice, and I know where I walk. And I know who my king is. And nothing will ever change that. And if we take that position, whether it's a remnant or whether it's a nation, evil has no chance. The one thing to be encouraged by is that in spite of the cowards, the courageous few always win. And that's biblical. That's David. That's Gideon. That's Joshua, and it's even Moses on the mountain when they're holding up his arms. It's the story of Noah overcoming things and having the few that restart the world. This is what we are. Embrace those stories. Put them in your heart. Let them be tattooed deep within you. Read them. Be inspired by them. Let them guide you in the darkest of times. And know that in this very time, the enemy has already lost, and we're on victors. We're on the victor's side. So we need to walk that out. And that's the biggest challenge is for us to decide that we will literally walk this out and do that which Christ was willing to do for us, we now have to do for him. Be fearless above all. And understand that in this moment in time, what we're all witnessing is a threshing. It's a separation. It's a shifting away. The enemy is going to work in very different ways. It's going to get to our hearts and try to divide us. It's going to try to use the little things to separate us from one another. Seek the heart of that of those that speak to you and who you listen to. Seek the heart of those around you and your heart within. And see everything through the way God wants you to see it, through God's heart. And be true to that walk. Be forgiving. Be loving. Understand that even though we may disagree on some things, at the end, we're standing in a common walk. That's the body. The body of Christ isn't unified, perfect. The body of Christ is a full body of Christ with many different ways of seeing the same thing. And that collective view, which is always pure in, this, in the certain foundations that God gives us, we are all trying to seek the same thing, the love in Christ and the glory and kingdom as man and woman as sons and daughters of the Most High. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today humbled and reminded 
of this incredible hour in which we walk. So, Father, we just pray today for the remnant few, equally for those that lack the moral courage to make the choice to stand with you. Father, in this hour, we are reminded of the, of the decisions that we make have true consequences. In this hour, we're reminded of what it takes to truly be in that walk in the purity of Christ. The decisions that we have to make that put us out in front sometimes when we don't want to be seen, put us at odds with a crowd that we're comfortable, we may have been comfortable standing with. We end up being that burr in the shoe. We end up being that one that swims against the tide. But as long as we do that with the clarity of Holy Spirit and the blessings of kingdom, no matter how difficult that is, we know that we will overcome and that we will endure. So, Father, we just pray for a blessing upon all those with the courage to swim upstream, for those with the courage to turn and walk against the crowd, for the courage to stand on the street corner and speak truth when no one will listen, for the courage to climb the mountain that everyone else refuses to climb, to step away from the comfort of a warm bed and instead walk in the cold, to pass on that seven-course meal and said to choose simply bread and fish. So, Father, we pray for those, that courage, that courage to walk where others won't walk, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to heal the sick and the broken, to deliver those and to raise the dead and to seek the greater works and not to do it for us, but to do it for the glory of kingdom. So, Father, guide those hearts, bless them and raise them up Anoint them in this hour with the greater gifts that they need, each and every one, to be able to step in and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And as those words are spoken, give them more tools, more equipment to fight this fight in the glory of kingdom. And for those that have chosen to walk away, those that are choosing to sleep with the neighbor, let them hear these words from you, that it's time finally to decide where they walk to love what you love, to hate what you hate, and let them see truly those words manifest in their world, Father. Let their hearts be filled with the understanding of decisions which they are making have consequences. And let them choose in this hour to return to you, or at least to see clearly the consequences of where they're going. This is a time of a great shaking, and we pray for the great shaking of the hearts of the men and the women of these worlds. To see truly your face, to witness truly the glory of our King and to understand truly whom they should be serving regardless of whom they choose to serve. Guide us in this hour and protect us in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of the day, every one of us has free will. At the end of the day, everyone and each and every one has to choose and we can't force them into a camp or another. But what's lacking in this day, sadly, is the fear of God, the understanding of who Yahweh is, the understanding of who the one God, the true God, the God of hosts is. And if there's anything to constantly pray for, it's that, that that realization will settle in upon men's hearts, to truly understand where they stand and whom they're serving and whom the great God is, the God of all things, the creator. And when we have that clarity in our hearts, now there's a balance and a perspective. Now there's a way to see clearly what decisions we make. And when we each walk with that humbleness, we're choosing a pathway forward that is truly mighty in kingdom. 
It is truly glorious in what we do and serve, and it is never about us. It is always working through him. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, 
to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one. To win at any cost. But we will never bow. For we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.